This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello and welcome to The Games, your daily dose of fact, opinion and reaction from the events taking place at London 2012. I'm Chris Skinner and on today's edition, comedian, writer and East London resident Dave Gorman talks about his Olympic experience so far. Times Olympic correspondent Ashling O'Connor discusses Blake versus Bolt and the impressive debut for women's boxing at the Games. And Craig Lord previews the epic marathon swim taking place today. You've been getting in touch. This tweet from Emma Lightfoot sums up the Olympic experience for so many. Yell at telly, burst into tears, repeat. Get the Kleenex in, Emma. It's not over yet. Any of your own thoughts, tweet us using the hashtag MyOlympics in Twitter. So let's start with one of the toughest events in the Games. I'm joined by the Emperor of the Times, also known as a swimming correspondent, Craig Lord. Uh, Craig, my, one of my favourite events of the Games uh, happens later on today. It's Kerry-Anne Payne in uh, whatever you want to call it, the marathon swim, the 10k swim. Tell me about it. It's gruelling. It's gruelling, Chris, especially in a race with Kerry-Anne, because what she does is she likes to get clear of the shoal at the beginning, you know, so there's no kicking and punching and, and she doesn't like any of that. So what she does is get out there as if she's starting a 400-meter swim. So she sprints at the beginning to get out, and it, it's a cracking pace, you know, and you're basically facing two hours of that kind of pace. And, uh, you know, she makes it blistering for everyone from the very start, from the pontoons. Technically, how different is long-distance swimming to the stuff that, that we all have seen in the pool so far? Um, look, it, it's not that different in the sense that Kerry-Anne, you know, you have to remember that she is... a. Uh, someone who's made the podium at national championships from distances from 200 to 1500. She holds the 1500 national record. So she is a pool swimmer. She trains 99.9% of her time in a pool. So, you know, the art is the same. And what's wonderful about this race and what gives her the sort of advantage on a lot of the pure open water swimmers is the fact that the serpentine is like a giant swimming pool. It's still, even when it's windy, it's not choppy and so on. So you're looking at a giant swimming pool with no lanes in it. As someone who does a bit of open water swimming myself, it, for some it's actually a little disappointing how calm the setting is because mm. open water swimming can be in quite a wild location, can't it? Yeah, it can. I mean, the World Championships are held off the coast of Melbourne, the whole coast of Rome and so on, and we've seen huge storms and, and, and great waves that people have had to go through and so on. Now, of course, that might be fun to watch, but it's really not fun to do, <laughs> you know, if you swim. <laughs> and uh, t- tell, me about, tell me about the serpentine then. Uh, some special efforts have gone into making this right, I hear. Yeah, they have. They've, they've cleaned it up and, and, and uh, dressed it so beautifully. You know, I, I kind of, when I see the equestrian uh, venue in, um, in uh, Greenwich, I think what a fine job they've done there. And, and the same in the Serpentine <clears throat> with the Royal Parks. It really is a wonderful setting, but they've gone to extra lengths to make sure the swimmers are not disturbed in the race. You know, there's a lot of fowl, meaning um, uh, wildlife, on, on the lake there. There's the Canada geese and the swans and so on. And, and what they've done with the geese and the ducks is sort of put out lots of wonderful treats for them to <laughs> be at the bank, so they're noshing away on these treats while the race is going on so they don't disturb the swimmers. And, and the swans, in fact, have been sent off on uh, swan holiday to a swan <laughs> camp somewhere. Yeah. Well, that's very nice for them, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just just uh, tell us, uh, Kerry-Anne, tell me how lucky you think she is to win gold. Look, she's, uh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, she's got a very strong chance. A, because the conditions are there for pool swimmers. It favours pool swimmers. She is a pool swimmer. It, it's very good conditions for her. 
Um, she is a double world champion, 2009, 2011. She's a world champion. She also points out she was in a world title race, not quite the same sort of level, but in 2010 and finished 10th. You know, but th those, that very much came down to conditions. In the conditions we're looking at and in the condition that she is in, um, she stands a very good chance. She will certainly be extremely competitive and uh, anyone who beats her will have to be world-class on the day, tip-top, no messing around. Craig, before I let you go, I want to quickly ask you about Tom Daly. Um, he, he's uh, only days away from uh, trying to win on his own. Will he be able to bounce back after the uh, disappointment of last week? You know, he, he's very strong. He's been through a lot. He's, you know, he's had the death of his dad to face. Uh, you know, it's something that none of us would wish to face at his age. Uh, it's something that sort of uh, is difficult to bounce back from. And yet there he was. He was he was diving in a world title final last year, months after having faced this terrible uh, tragedy. And, um, you know, he is a tough young man, a very tough young man. I have no doubt that uh, they will have done everything, his entourage, to get him in the shape he needs to be, uh, to be extremely competitive um, in the 10 metre. Comedian, writer, East Londoner, and equestrian lover, uh, Dave Gorman. <laughs> Joins me, Dave, I, n I never saw you as much as a horseman before. I've never been a horseman, um, and I'm still not really a horseman, but I went yesterday. I'll tell you what it is, I, I live in Bethnal Green, and I've seen these buildings going up in the East End, and I've been really excited about them, and I am into athletics, and I am into cycling, and those are the things I really wanted to go to. And before the Olympics started, I had no real interest in going to any of the non-specific venues. Mm. Um, all the temporary venues I wanted to come to these amazing permanent structures that I'd seen being built yeah. as I cycle around the East End and then suddenly the Olympics started I was thinking oh if I want to go and watch football at Wembley I'll go and watch an FA Cup final I'd rather spend my money on something of importance to me and I don't really think the Olympics should have football all those sort of sort of slightly negative thoughts and then the minute the whole thing kicked off I'd got tickets for the stadium. I'd got them for the velodrome. I said, I'm up for anything. Yes. <laughs> I'll go and watch anything. I don't care. I'm, I'm interested in any sport, all sport. I'm watching all of it on TV. I was watching handball without commentary for an hour the other day. <laughs> I'm loving it. And I just thought, well, I'm just going to look what I can get. And I got show jumping. So I went. And it was fantastic. And uh, London's really showing off, isn't it? It's, it's, it's doing a cracking job. Um, London is, uh, one, the, the weather is helping. It's an amazing thing, given how it was in the running. Yes. But also, there's amazing positive vibe. I even had a taxi driver the other day saying nice things about the Olympics, saying how he wasn't that bothered by it and he was loving it and he was watching it all. And I think, well, if, either, if they're on side, then they've won. That's an amazing thing. I expect when the Olympics ends and the Paralympics ends... Uh, by mid-September, the Premier League will be dominating again and cynicism will be rife yeah. across the capital Maybe. once more. But, but I, I hope we can maintain these, these levels of positivity. It's just wonderful supporting other sports. I know, you, you know you're know you in the Olympic Park to watch the uh, cycling. Isn't yeah. it nice going and cheering on something that's just technically, uh, physiologically so so such a different challenge to the other sports you normally watch? There's a purer thing about athletic sports in particular. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think that tennis or football, uh, and they're going to have golf next time. But I don't it, think those even, things even, even be though Andy Murray's on a gold, you used to... Oh, no, I was cheering him on. I wanted him to win, and I, I was still cheering him on, uh, and still loving it, but I still don't think it should be the Olympics. I remember the days when the Olympics were about amateur sports, uh, and even though there's no purity to that these days anyway, and obviously Jessica Ennis has just become a multi-millionaire for, you know, yeah. for, for winning her gold, um, there's still... A, what the athletic sports have is a real purity of who is the fastest, who is the strongest, who jumps the highest, yeah. who jumps the longest, and there's no faking that. 
East London is in incredible shape as obviously. So I mean, where, where we are in Stratford is, is unrecognisable from the Stratford of five years ago, ten years ago. And uh, the area has, the whole East London area has gone through something of a, a renaissance in the last, uh, you know, in, in the last decade. But it's not all necessarily been positive. And one thing that really upset me, and I know it would have passed very near your door, would have been the original route for the marathon, which for some reason Whitechapel Road wasn't considered into the stadium, wasn't considered you know, a suitable course anyway. Does that disappoint you? Um, it does a little. I think um, I'm, I'm proud to live in the East End. I'm an incomer, but I've been here for 13 or 14 years. The only thing, if the marathon had gone the original course, I'd do a radio show on Sunday mornings that you, Chris, might be familiar with, seeing as you produce it. Uh, and my journey into work on Sunday morning would have been hell. So that's the only only possible benefit to me of them rerouting the marathon was that it made my Sunday morning journey okay. I would have sacrificed an easy Sunday morning journey to have it properly showcase the East End. I mean, they, they did come by St Paul's, but there's no reason why, you know, going past the Bank of England and, and then taking in, like, the Roman Road or anything, these are actually genuinely iconic yeah. places. They're, they're, and it is. We are based in East London, and the marathon, regardless of any of that, should end in the stadium. That's tradition, that they, they get the crowd cheering them as they come in. Yeah, sucking them uh, over yeah. the finish line. Yeah, yeah, and I know, I guess, you know, I can see why, for the benefit of TV, they they like Buckingham Palace and the Mall yeah. and all of that. I, can, I, I understand that but, that, but this is, the Olympics are here, they're in East London, and, and I've... I just think the marathon should have ended in the stadium. But more importantly, your, your commute was OK, yeah? But my commute on Sunday morning was a doddle, yeah. And that was the taxi driver who was uh, jolly about the Olympics as well. He was really loving it. Ashley O'Connor, Olympics correspondent, joins me now. Now, the 100 metres is not the fastest race in the world, are you talking miles per hour? It's the 200 final, but the same two protagonists are at the front, aren't they? I guess they, they got more time to accelerate. But, yes. uh, yeah, it's uh, Usain Bolt, the man, obviously, the defending Olympic champion and world record holder, and Johan Blake, so his, his fellow Jamaican, uh, who has beaten him over this distance um, this year. So it, it'll, be a great, it'll be a great race, and we'll just see whether Bolt's got it in the... He's kept his speed in the locker for the last one. He actually prefers the 200 metre as a race compared to the 100 metres. He, he seems to have his hunger back now. I don't, know if it, I don't know if it's the crowd, I don't know if his injuries coming back, but he, I, I just get the impression from everything I've seen that he really wants this. He just loves the big occasions, yeah. and as you can tell from someone like Asafa Powell, who's actually you know, run more fast times yeah. than Bolt, but he always chokes on the big occasion, whereas Bolt's the ultimate show, showman, and he just loves, he just feeds off the crowd, and, you know, he seems to be, he's up at 3am with the Swedish handball team, and he doesn't seem to, uh, you know, he takes it seriously, but at the same time, he doesn't take it too seriously, and I think that's why the crowd love him, and also, you know, he just knows when he has to perform, and I, I don't see him being beaten on, on the night in the 200 metres. Uh, their fellow Jamaican Weir look, looked all right. Uh, Le Maitre of France looked all right too. But there really is no seeing past this one and two, is there? He's still looking like he's jogging around the block for yeah. a pint of milk. You know, he's just he's cruising through his, his, his heat. Um, and uh, maybe, maybe he'll even beat his world record. You know, it'd be great if, the, if there was a world record broken on that track in the sprint. We need that stadium to come alive with that kind of, yeah. you know, that kind of momentum, that yeah. kind of occasion. 
Bolton and Blake are the only two, I guess, other than uh, British athletes who are getting that raw going, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Mo, Mo Farah, in the, but that's not till the weekend in the in the five thousand kilometres. Came third in his in his uh, in his semi-final, but he's in the final. That's the main thing. Um, so you know, there's plenty more to cheer about. Yeah. Yeah. There were, were two really weird. Uh, heats those 5,000 metres one was incredibly slow one was incredibly fast but, um, one was the fastest of all time I think yeah. the semi-final but uh, you know 5,000 kilometres it's such a long way but it will they sprint it they really do yeah. <laughs> Uh, women's boxing's made its debut. Uh, I, from what I've seen of it, it's been a most welcome debut as well. There's been some really I- I- intriguing fights. Uh, Taylor of Ireland scored a magnificent win yesterday. Uh, Nicola Adams has a chance for a medal later too. Yeah, Nicola's in the uh, in the final of the uh, flyweight, so she has got guaranteed silver. Um, she's um, competing against Ren of China, and she'll be fighting against her, who is her arch rival really. And they've uh, she's come worse off twice at the sort of at the world level but she has beaten her this year so you know the crowd could lift her it's just one of those could be the performance of her career it's, as you say it's the first um, Olympic gold medal uh, to be awarded in boxing and so she would be the first winner of it um, for, for Britain and I think that would be a you know fitting way to sort of mark the introduction of this sport to the Olympics which has been hugely successful Lennox Lewis said that you know, you couldn't in some instances tell whether they were men or women, and that's a huge compliment to their technical ability because they have to be, have to actually be perhaps more technically proficient than the men because they can't rely on pure power. And you know, some of these, I mean, but they, some of these girls really hit hard. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of uh, of any of them. But uh, I think it's been a really successful event, and I'm glad to see it in the Olympics, and I'm glad to see it being treated seriously and not being belittled in any way. Some more of your comments on Twitter. Lauren Beatty's doing some Olympic eating. How much chips and salsa can one eat in three minutes whilst healthy veg-based lunch reheats in microwave? I don't know, Lauren. Get back in touch and tell us. Uh, Katie Brennan says, brilliant to see Adams win a semi-final. As Ashing said earlier on, it has been a fantastic competition, the women's boxing, and I think the profile is only going to rise from here. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with more action and reaction. Have a great day. Goodbye. Goodbye.